Good morning. Welcome to church. My name is Scott, and I'm here with Tanya and John, and it's just a great pleasure to be here to worship God with you today. And if you would, I'd love uh, for you to stand. If I just didn't want to invite you to, it's okay if you don't want to, but that's an invitation as we get started. And we're just going to share in a call to worship. So I'll start, and then and you all join me. Oh, Lord, let my soul rise up to meet you as the day rises to meet the sun. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Amen. Well, as we get started today, I just want to read a little bit of scripture just to kind of set the tone for our time together. So if you would, just quiet your hearts. Take a deep breath in. And just prepare yourself to receive this word. This is from John's revelation. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And when he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, and when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Let us join our voices, our hearts, our song with all the creatures of heaven and earth and under the earth this morning as we praise him. Sing with me. Whoa. 
Sing that again.
I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord, Psalm 122.1. We are glad today. On this first Sunday of Advent, whether we drove in or climbed up, whether we logged in or tuned in, we are glad to be here in this community with this family. It is a place of joyful hope, of radical welcome, of being held together while holding together both gratitude and lament. It is a place where we can go wait with heavy longing and wondrous anticipation of the kingdom to come. Many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that God may teach us God's ways and that we may walk in God's paths. Isaiah 2, 3. Teach us anew, O Lord, to walk in the path of your promise. Empower us this Advent to hold on to hope and to become beacons of hope on the way. We light this candle as a sign of our hope, our joyous hope that we can be restored, our faith restored, our strength restored, our confidence restored, our joy restored as we watch and wait with all God's people for the promise to be fulfilled. Amen. So grateful you've chosen to worship on this first Sunday of Advent here with us at Embrace this morning. As we allow the glow of this candle to bathe our worship space, we're going to turn and share with one another this morning. This is a time we share both our gratitude, the things that we are celebrating in our life, and our lament. If you've come in here this morning after a hard week, one that was full of joy and celebration for lots of people but wasn't for you, you're not alone in this place this morning. And so if you want to share celebrations or if you want to share heavy things this morning, there's space for all of it in our worship of the Lord and in our walk as a community. So I'd invite you just to turn to a few folks near you. We're not going to do too much moving around, but just take the next few minutes to share. And if someone shares and you don't really know how to respond, it's always appropriate just to say thank you. Because giving of ourselves to one another really is a gift. So take the next few moments and we'll come back together to sing shortly.
I mean, it's a good time to share. Such good community. It's beautiful. We're going to continue our worship and sing together. First Sunday of Advent, as we know. We'll sing this ancient hymn. Join me as you're able. Come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, that mourns in lowly exile here, until the Son of God appears. Sing rejoice, rejoice. spirits by thine advent here and drive away the shades of night and pierce the clouds and bring us light rejoice rejoice in
Um, and fortunately for all of us, Christina is preaching this morning and not me. But if you'll indulge me, I just wanted to share a little bit more from God's word um, as we go into the next song. I was thinking about praying about this being the first Sunday in Advent, the idea of all the themes of Advent and the idea of hope. And I found this text in Romans that uh, really jumped out at me. Just wanted to share it with you. A little context for this. Paul wrote the letter um, to the Roman church around 57 AD, the first century after Christ. Um, during this time, Christians were being hung on crosses by the Roman Empire. Um, only a short 250 years later, the cross became the symbol and the, and, and the religion of the Roman Empire. Incredible work of God in those first three centuries of the new church. But just imagine being a part of that early Roman church and, and, and hearing this word from Paul, this encouragement from him. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed and moreover that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. That's us. And it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. And again it says, rejoice you Gentiles with his people. And again, praise the Lord all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
wise men saw the star, there's hope for everyone. Shepherds heard the choir, there's hope for everyone. From afar, there's hope for everyone. We are waiting on the promise for the one who lights the darkness. Bending low to be among us. Bring your glory in the highest, Jesus. Come, let us adore. There's hope for everyone on the manger floor. There's hope for everyone. Are you waiting for this? For everyone, come adore this hope for everyone. We are waiting on the promise for the one who lights the darkness, bending low to be among us, bringing glory. Well, welcome, everyone. Uh, my name is Pastor Tanya. If you have not met uh, me before, I am one of the associate pastors here. And I have the honor of dismissing the children today. So uh, all children that are ages four and up get to go upstairs over here to this area. If you are new and your child is going up, you need to go up with them. There's some paperwork you need to fill out, and you need to see where they're at. So uh, if you will head over to this side. Let's everybody give a round of applause to our children. We've got a lot of children. Amazing. Awesome. And, and thank you for all of the volunteers in the Wonder Room. Give them a hand too. They're amazing. They're taking your kids. It's the whole thing. Okay. 
So um, for those of you who are just joining us, you might not have seen this happen yet, but we um, have been over the last couple of weeks spending time, intentional time in prayer together in this space. And it's been mostly a time of silence and reflection and contemplation, a time for us to spend time with the Lord. And so what we do is we, some people you will see come up to the front and they will kneel at the altar if they're wanting to take that posture with the Lord. Uh, you can pray with your eyes open. Uh, but some people you will see people just kind of staring off, but they will be just in a time with the Lord for themselves. And then when the time is finished, you'll know because will, you will see on the screen the Lord's Prayer, which we will say together. So right now we're just going to enter into this time of prayer with the Lord a time of silence, a time of reflection, a time of contemplation. And again, you will see people come up to the altar and kneel um, and just be, spend time with the Lord. We are fortunate to be one of those churches where people who are seeking come. They don't profess Christ as king, they're just seeking. So sometimes for people to sit in a space that they haven't had all week, to just be, to just soak up presence. There's often a cacophony of noise. Noise is everywhere. And it's not often that we just get to sit at the feet of Jesus. As I pray this morning, I'm thinking about the Walmart in Chesapeake, Virginia, and those whose holiday was very different than we expected it to be. I'm lamenting and I'm praying hope in a world where gun violence is just so prevalent. Also praying and thinking of those who are deconstructing, reconstructing, who have been hurt by 
people they trusted the most, who perverted the word of God in their lives, and they feel lost and spinning. They would find a place to call home in the arms of the Lord. morning I'm praying for those who see the twinkling lights in the trees and the gifts and the hope and they don't feel hopeful this is a very hard season for them and they're dreading this season I'm praying that they would be touched by Jesus that they would tangibly feel love and hope morning, I am praying for families who love children who have experienced incredible traumas in their lives, including myself. That every day is not easy. That every day brings hardship and things that they have to navigate. That they would have peace in the middle of the storm. praying for people in eastern Kentucky whom the Lord has not forgotten. Though it is not in our news cycle anymore, they are still in recovery from the flood and will be for a couple of years to come, but they will feel the Lord near them. morning I'm praying for our elders and our families in the disability community for whom sometimes even getting here is just difficult. Sometimes even staying in this space is difficult. 
they would feel your strength in their life. And finally, this morning, I lift those who came in with heavy, heavy burdens that they don't even know what to do with them. But they're here. But they're online. And they're looking for the Lord to carry those burdens for them and maybe don't know how to set them down. So for all of those and all of the prayers that you're praying, you would look at the screen if you need to and pray together as so many have been praying for many, many years. <laughs> Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debtors, debts as we forgive those, our debtors <laughs> as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Tanya, for leading us in a beautiful time of prayer this morning. It's good just to take a breath together, isn't it? I'm not very good at remembering to introduce myself, but I'm Christina, and I'm another one of our associate pastors here on staff. And I'm really excited this morning that I get to preach to you at the change of seasons. Some of you know that I love the liturgical calendar, and so I am not going to miss a chance to bring it up. So you noticed when you walked into our space, I'm sure that there are different decorations here this morning, bright and twinkling lights. The candle wreath has made a reappearance. And we've got this beautiful new original art. These banners back here were created for us by our new artist in residence, Emily Posey. Yeah, they're amazing, aren't they? And they are going to correspond to the passages we read each week of Advent. And so the space has transformed this morning. We are enjoying being together. Some of us have family with us that we might not normally have. There's a sense of anticipation in the air this morning. And while the wider culture outside these doors has moved into full-on anticipation of Christmas and all of the retail and consumerism that that brings with it, the season that we as a church are entering together is a season all its own. Even now, upstairs, our little ones are turning their attention to the liturgical calendar wall hanging. I think we can see it together, too, here in a moment. Yep, there we go. And they are noticing that we are on the first of the purple squares, which means both that we are in the first Sunday of Advent and the very first Sunday of a brand new Christian year. So again, an ending came last week and a new beginning has arrived before we're ready in lots of ways. But that's what God does. He does a new thing and takes us by surprise all the time. And so this morning, we get to enter together into the season of Advent. And Advent, at the very beginning of our Christian year, is an opportunity for us to fix our eyes on the end. You see, because Christmas is about the first coming of Christ, but Advent literally means coming, and we in this season are going to fix our eyes on the yet-to-come second coming of Christ. 
This is an opportunity for us to long together as a community for the fullness of the promise that has not yet been fully fulfilled. It's an opportunity for us to acknowledge in Advent that the journey we are walking is difficult. And it's an opportunity for us to confess that we yearn for Jesus to come again. Life is hard and we need a savior. Not just one who came the once at Christmas like Jesus did, but he's coming back to be with us forever. And so even though we are walking a hard journey in life and we remember that during Advent, we are also walking an ancient path. This path is one that was walked by the people of Israel long before we came on the scene Earlier, Scott was saying, we are the Gentiles in a lot of scripture, and that is true. This ancient path that has been handed down to us. And that's a path that we are going to focus on together as we read the Old Testament lectionary passages together this Advent. We're going to have four weeks of beautiful visual imagery prophecy from the book of Isaiah. And each of these images up here are from those passages to kind of stir our imagination. And as we delve into those passages and those prophecies together, we will also think about the Advent themes of hope and peace and joy and love. And we will realize that though we are walking a hard journey, we are also walking a journey filled with promise. And that's the name of our Advent series this year. We're calling it the Path of promise. So this ancient path of promise, the promises in Isaiah were first given to the Israelites. They were the original audience, and they received the promise of a Messiah hundreds of years before Jesus ever came into the world. Generation after generation of Israelites believed the promise, held on to the promise, passed the promise down to one another without ever seeing the fruit of its fulfillment. That is amazing faith. That is staggering faith that ought to encourage us and push us on. So as they received this promise and as they lived out this promise together, there was even a time called the intertestamental period. In between the Old and the New Testaments, after the last prophet received word from God and before Jesus came into the world, that we call 400 years of silence. There was no prophet during that time. The people of God held on to a promise for 400 years with no further word that the fulfillment was coming. And we have inherited that same promise. Unlike those generations of Israelites who waited in silence, we have seen the beginning of fulfillment. We have seen the fruit, part of it, the already part of the promise. We know that Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise for a Messiah. We've seen it in his birth and his death and his resurrection. We also heard that God promised power to live out his way and that he promised us another advocate. And we've seen the Holy Spirit as the fulfillment, the fruit of that promise. And even the Holy Spirit is only a partial fulfillment for us. We're told in Ephesians that the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance. So we have seen in little ways and in big ways that God, our God, is not just a promise maker, but a promise keeper. And friends, this Advent, that is the truth that keeps us walking when the journey is hard. Like the original audience of Isaiah, we too walk a path of promise. 
We are waiting and longing for a fulfillment that we've only seen in part, and we are trusting the word and the long-term work of our promise-keeping God. This Advent, we're going to encourage each other to hold on to hope and to peace and to joy and to love and to keep on the path of promise. In fact, it's an encouragement to walk in this path that we find in our first passage from Isaiah today. And you can see in today's image, there is a path because that's exactly what we're talking about in this passage. And we heard a portion of it in the candle lighting liturgy, but let's hear 2, 1 through 5, Isaiah 2, 1 through 5 together now. This is what Isaiah, Amos's son, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of the mountains. It will be lifted above the hills. Peoples will stream to it. Many nations will go and say, come, let's go up to the Lord's mountain, to the house of Jacob's God, so that he may teach us his ways and we may walk in God's paths. Instruction will come from Zion, the Lord's word from Jerusalem. God will judge between the nations and settle disputes of mighty nations. Then they will beat their swords into iron plows and their spears into pruning tools. Nation will not take up sword against nation. They will no longer learn how to make war. Come, house of Jacob, let's walk by the Lord's light. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The imagery in that passage is beautiful, isn't it? powerful, stirring, and it's also clear. It's not hard for us to grasp the vision Isaiah is casting, that God's way is one of peace and justice and beautiful division. There's all the nations. Do you hear that, isn't that? All the nations are coming to the Lord, and they're at peace with one another. The images, especially of beating weapons into gardening tools, are powerful. They're a powerful word, especially after the couple weeks we've had especially after several more mass shootings, especially after all the devastating gun violence in our own community throughout this past year. Sometimes it's hard to believe that there's another way, but Isaiah casts the vision and says, yes, there is. Hold on to that hope. These images are meant to capture our hearts and our imaginations. But what we might not catch as quickly just by reading the passage, is the meaning of the imagery about the mountain of the Lord, the mountain of the Lord's house. And so we can unpack this in two different ways. First, we can think about what it means to think about a mountain of the Lord in the wider prophetic scripture. So we look at the whole of scripture to understand parts of it better. And so in other prophetic literature of scripture, mountains refer to the reigns of kings. And so when Isaiah talks about the mountain of God being higher than all the other mountains, being elevated above all the other mountains, he's saying the reign of God, the reign of God's kingdom will be elevated above all others. It will be the one to triumph, right? And then the second way we can think about this image is in the context of the ancient writing. So in ancient culture, mountains were the dwelling places of God's. And so it was a pantheistic ancient culture. There were lots of gods on lots of different mountains, ruling, removed from the world. And Isaiah is talking to a culture who understands those images. And he says the God of Israel, the one true God, also has a mountain dwelling place. He has a high and holy dwelling place. But did you notice that though it is high and holy, it is accessible to all of the nations? Everyone is streaming to it. Everyone can reach it. 
because God wants to be with his people. This accessibility of God's dwelling is unique, and it is a powerful promise. Interestingly, a very similar-sounding prophecy and God's accessibility is found at the end of the book of Revelation in chapter 21. And I'm going to read an excerpt for us in a minute. But before I do, I just want to establish the point that the agreement, the similar-sounding images in these two totally different prophetic books from completely different times in history and really different authors have a point. They show us that the promises of God are unified and that they're trustworthy, right? They're carried through. It's carried through the witness of the whole of Scripture. But I know that some of you are probably sitting out there and you're like, okay, great, beautiful imagery. I'm not an imagery person. This is up in the clouds. Like, what is actually promised? What's the promise we're talking about, right? And so I want to say to you today that I believe the witness of Scripture and both of these passages, the Isaiah 1 and the Revelation 1, are showing us that the promise for which we are waiting and taking hold is about the unbroken presence of God and the unending rule of his kingdom. That's what we're walking towards, okay? And all of us who preach here at Embrace understand and believe together that the gospel of Jesus is about a whole lot more than just getting to heaven. So I know that you have heard about this promise and you've captured pieces of this promise time and again. But because we come from lots of different backgrounds, and some of us might not have heard it spelled out in these many words, I'm just going to take a moment to spell out what I believe this promise is that we're receiving. Many of us were taught in churches of our background that the promise that we are laying hold of is about escaping the world for heaven. We have been taught that we are meant to just while away our days here longing for our true home in heaven and that that's the end goal, right? That's what a lot of the church has been told to believe. However, the witness of scripture is that God actually cares very much about this world, that he cares about all its people and all its nations and everything that he has created. Sidebar, maybe that's why we should care about what he has created, right? So because that's the witness of scripture, the reality is that the promise we're waiting to take hold of isn't about escapism, but when Jesus comes back again, he isn't coming to take away the faithful, to snatch them up and take them away somewhere else and leave the world to burn. Not the picture. Not the picture of scripture. Instead, Jesus is coming back to establish his reign of love and peace and justice and thriving for all people right here on the earth in all of its fullness forever. No other challenges, no other wars, like it's, it's the end, is, is that wholeness for everyone and for everything. The old and the broken and the wasting away is not going to be destroyed. It's going to be transformed, recreated, breathed new life. And you know, in Christian theology, we call this something really straightforward, new creation. This is the promise towards which we are walking. We believe instead of two separate dwelling places like there are currently, one for God and spiritual beings and one for temporal beings and humans, that new heaven and the new earth will be combined so that we will dwell together forever in just and peaceful and unbroken, diverse but unified communion 
with God and with one another. So we're not leaving earth for heaven as an end destination. Rather, heaven is coming down to join the earth so that we may be one with God for all eternity. This is the new creation in which all of our longings find their fulfillment and in which the reign of Christ will be without end. Snapshot, that's the promise, okay? When Isaiah speaks of the mountain of the Lord and it being elevated above all the others and it being accessible, he's giving us a snapshot of the new creation. And I believe that same image is filled out even more, but with similar elements in Revelation 21. This is a beautiful passage. It's really full of pictures. You kind of have to see the whole canvas it's creating. So I'm going to read a really big chunk, but it'll be up on the screen if you want to follow along. This will be Revelation 21, 1 through 4, and then we're going to skip down to 10 through 26. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look! God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain, great and high, and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Aren't these images stunning? Isn't this a beautiful picture of what it looks like for God and humanity to dwell together as one? I especially love, and I hope you guys caught, that the beauty and diversity of all the nations is part of what gives the new heaven and the new earth its splendor. Right? God cares very much about all of the people that he has created. There's no need for sun or moon because God himself is the light for all of the people. I love this. This is one of my favorite images in all of scripture. And both this revelation passage and what Isaiah already shared with us cast a vision of fulfillment for a very old promise. So the first time we see a promise arrive to the family of Abraham in scripture, Part of what God says in that promise, very central to that original promise, is, and I will be with you and be your God. And did you hear that? That same thing in the Revelation passage? The fulfillment of that promise to Abraham is in the new creation. The writer of Revelation says when the new heaven comes down to the new earth, that he will be with them and be their God. That right there is fulfillment language of a very old promise. We who have seen fulfillment in part know that Jesus is God being with humanity in a brand new way like never before, flesh and blood, right? 
We also know that the Holy Spirit is God being with us in a new way, like never before, intimate, empowering, God being with his people. But the story of new creation is about God being with his people in the same place at the same time with no barriers, no misunderstanding, no division for all eternity. That's the picture and the promise fulfilled. And though I just traced the passage or the promise back to Abraham, it actually goes back even further than that. N.T. Wright is a leading New Testament scholar, and he says that the communion between God and humanity when they walked together in the cool of the day in Eden is actually like a picture of a pilot project of the new creation. So what got started back in Eden, like very beginning of the story, right, gets fulfilled in the new creation. It's all unified. God has been up to the same work, and he is the promise keeper, right? But for those of you who have heard of N.T. Wright, you might have also heard that he was here recently. Not here, here, a little further down the road, in Wilmore, at Asbury Theological Seminary like two weeks ago. And so a few of the Embrace staff and teaching team got to go on a little field trip together and hear him talk. And that was really cool. You know, I was geeking out a little bit. But he shared over a week's worth of time lots of different teachings about work he's been invested in for about a decade now. And his life's work, central to what he feels called to do, is to exegete the scripture, which just means interpret it, and help the church recapture the vision of new creation. He says, wait, wait, we've gotten it wrong. Like, we've got to back up. We've really truncated it. We've really made it smaller than it is. New creation is the picture, Right? And in his teaching, when I got to sit and listen to him talk, he actually used the phrase pilot program twice. So he first said that Eden was the pilot project of the new creation. But then as he continued to share, he said that over and over throughout the New Testament, there's support after support for this idea that the church is the pilot project of the new creation. And what that means then is that the church is the visual of the hope for new creation. That the church gets to image to the rest of the world that this promised different future is coming. That's a really beautiful task. It can feel like a heavy task sometimes. But there is our hope word, right? That's our Advent theme. And it's part of what it means to be longing for new creation is to hold out hope to the world. Ultimately, Isaiah's prophecies are meant to tell the struggling people of Israel and also us that another future is possible. And that's what we, the church, as the pilot project of the new creation, also get to say. Another future is possible. Not only possible, but promised and coming. Even in the midst of the violence and division and hatred that we see, Another future is coming, possible and promised. As is always true with prophecy, much of what is written, both in Isaiah and in Revelation, is symbolic. That means that the beautiful imagery and the incredible language it uses is not necessarily giving us an exact picture of what's going to happen, but is giving us kernels of deep truth, is inviting us to imagine this different future. And so even though it's not giving us a prescription, it's giving us something even more inspiring and empowering, right? 
this image that we can imagine, that we can cast for other people and show with our own lives what it might look like and invite people to imagine this different future. The path of promise that we're walking together this Advent is the path leading us towards this different future. And so we're going to continue to encourage each other to keep on the way. And today, specifically, we're going to encourage each other both to hold on to hope and to be a vision of hope as we walk the path. So what does it look like for the church to be hope, to depict to the world what it could look like to live this different way that belongs to Jesus? Well, here's one snapshot. Pulling on the very images shared here in Isaiah's second chapter, one Christian organization is literally turning weapons into gardening tools. Raw Tools is run by a man named Michael Martin, who's a former Mennonite pastor turned blacksmith. And you can see him here working in community. He has all sorts of people work with him to turn weapons into gardening tools. If this inspires you, you can search on YouTube and very easily find a video of Shane Claiborne, a well-known faith leader and activist, partnering with Raw Tools to turn specifically an AR-15 into a garden tool. Now talk about imaging hope, right? <laughs> Taking the very things that are destroying us and recreating something that is life-giving. Well, for many of us, holding on to hope and being hope in this world is not going to look quite that dramatic, although it could. Imagine all the possibilities and run for them, right? But the principles are the same. What does it look like for us to take death-dealing instruments or words and systems created to do harm and recreate them so that they actually promote life? For instance, maybe you have a dying relationship with someone in your life. Maybe it's not something that needs to be restored. Even so, you can still choose to speak words of life to and about that person. Maybe you're feeling especially convicted about the incredible increase in rent prices in our city and the rise in homelessness that's being the direct outcome of that. You can choose to hold on to hope and to be hope by showing up in the places where struggling people gather. Even the gathering on Monday night here. And you can choose to be a friend to be consistent and present, to be encouraging and to stand in solidarity in the midst of these hard times. Maybe there's someone in your neighborhood or your work community who you've noticed is especially isolated. You can choose to hold on to hope and to extend hope by just inviting them to dinner. Take them to lunch sometime. Listen, let them be heard and known, share of yourself. We can choose to give an invitation into community and at the same time be the image of the communion to come. What it looks like to be hope and to hold on to hope can be really different. There's so many different options. But fundamentally, it is a resistance to the way things are and an acted out trust that a different future is possible. Not just possible, but promised and coming and final, eternal. So this first week of Advent, I want to invite each of us to reflect, to consider about what the darkness and the pain and the distress is that you have a front row seat to. And then I want to encourage you also to ask the Holy Spirit to guide you into creative ways to hold on to hope and to be hope to others, to be an image of hope in this world 
even in the face of that darkness. Church of Jesus, let us walk in the paths of God and the light of the Lord all Advent long. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. As we do every week, we're going to take communion together today. If you did not uh, grab a communion cup on your way in this morning, there are some available in a basket on the welcome table at the back. Feel free to just get up and grab one. Totally fine for you to get up. Um, And we're going to take this together. So whatever you've got at home, those of you who are worshiping with us at home, we'll go ahead and get this ready. Another one of the images that Revelation provides us of this new creation is about a really big feast. It's called the wedding feast of the lamb, right? We've heard some lamb language already this morning. One of the songs we sang, one of the scriptures that Scott read. And basically the picture that it gives us is that part of being together for all eternity, like kicking that off, kind of like the the welcome party, right? Is about eating together. Does anybody else feel excited about that? We get to eat together to start this new creation. We're gonna be around this table with all the nations, but no longer at war. And when we take communion, this is a foretaste of the feast to come. This is another way for us to say, we hold on to hope that fullness is still coming. It's already but not yet, right? The kingdom of God, the the fruit of the new creation, it's already but not yet. And so our communion feast is an already taste of the not yet banquet that is coming. And so this morning, as we prepare to take communion together, I want to encourage you to view this as your act of resistance today to the way things are. Whatever is breaking your heart right now, whatever you believe is breaking the heart of God about the current way our world looks and works, you get to resist that this morning by taking the body and blood of Christ into your own being and saying, I am a visual representation of the fact that another future is possible and another future is promised. Jesus gave himself up for us once. He never has to do it again. The giving himself up is over. But he's coming back to never leave us. And we get to hold on to hope for that promise as we take communion together today. So I want to invite you just to take a moment of silence. Think about whatever it is that you want to resist today as you take this supper. And just offer up to God today your willingness to hold on to hope. God, we thank you that you are not just a promise maker, but that you are a promise keeper. We thank you that we have seen Jesus as the fulfillment of your promised Messiah. And we thank you that we know, even though he's not with us in flesh and blood right now, even though we have his spirit, that God, 
the fullness of your presence, the fullness of your kingdom is yet to come. And this morning, God, I pray that you would forgive us for the ways that we have failed to hold out hope and to be hope. That you would forgive us for not loving our neighbor as ourself. For not being obedient when you've nudged us to be hope to someone. God, we confess today that we have too often trusted our own power and, and found ourselves too weak to do the good that you have called us to do. And so, Lord, as we confess today, we also receive your forgiveness anew. And we receive your power to be able to partner with you in this resistance today against the way things are. And God, we ask that as we take this communion feast together, that we would be empowered to hold on to hope and to be hope in the midst of this broken world. Father, I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts of bread and juice and that they would be for us the body and blood of Christ. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. If you'd like to go ahead and peel that top part off. This is the body of Christ broken for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Amen. We're going to continue to worship with another song. This altar is always open. I know we came up here once. You can come up here again anytime. If you would like me to pray with you, I'll be right here. Or um, I think Deb is in the back if you would like to walk back there to pray as well. But just take these next few moments to allow the Lord to continue to just minister to your heart. He has met us in this space. He's here. And he can do more than we ask or imagine. So let's worship together now. Valley, 
mercy grace won't find me again oh there's nothing better than you there's nothing better than you lord there's nothing nothing is better than you oh there's You're the only one who can. You turn morning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the Thank you so much for joining together in worship this morning. 
We have three more weeks of Advent. It's one of my favorite times of the year. I hope you'll be here to join us as well. Just a few announcements for you. Remember, we have an announcement handout. That's an exciting piece of paper. Feel free to grab one at either of the welcome tables on your way out just to know what's going on in our community. But I especially want to highlight that not only has Emily created beautiful art for us, but she's going to partner with us, Emily and Felice, in creating a community art project this Advent. I'm super excited about it. It's going to look so cool. And we just really get to reflect kind of in a therapeutic, artistic way. So there are some supplies available on the little coffee table in the cafe, and there's an instruction sheet. It's purple. You can't miss it. That'll tell you what you need to grab. Feel free to check that out and to grab some materials and take them with you. Or you can wait and use those materials at our December 11th workshop, where we're going to kind of make the, the community art project pieces together. So if you already know you can't be here then, take some materials with you. Ask me about it, or you can ask Felice as well, um, and we'll get you connected with that. But we would love for as many people to participate in that community art project as possible. Um, and then I feel like there was one more thing I was supposed to remind you. Hmm. Read that sheet. It'll be on there. It's good stuff. Oh, I know. The mitten tree. This tree has mittens and scarves on it. Every year, the United Methodist Women collect those for Arlington Elementary, which is literally our nearest neighbor right across the street. And um, this year, we are going to accept those kids' sizes, but also adult sizes, because we have lots of people in our community, especially on Monday nights, who come and they need stuff. So bring mittens, scarves, whatever you've got. We'll decorate the tree, and it'll be beautiful. Okay, that's it. So I invite you to prepare yourselves to receive the benediction. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen. Go in peace.